Welcome, welcome, welcome into Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by Students For You. My name is Peter Roman, and this is episode 15 of the quarantine edition of my show. Today's episode is going to be a little bit longer than some of the other ones. Most of my episodes have come around 25 minutes since I've started doing them from my house. Today's is going to be a little bit longer just because I have a ton of stuff to talk about. I will get into the NBA playoffs, including the Raptors sweep of the Brooklyn Nets and Luka Doncic just being ridiculously good. Although I've certainly said all that stuff on my show before, but I'll get into a lot of that. I'm also going to talk about the UEFA Champions League final between PSG and Bayern Munich that took place this past Sunday. And then I'll also get in, of course, into a lot of the NHL playoffs as we're now into the second round of the postseason. However, I have to start today with a really long segment. And for anyone who knows me, you know exactly what I'm starting with today, the Calgary Flames because their postseason run came to an end with their Game 6 loss to the Dallas Stars. So, I'm giving out a fair warning before I get into this, that this is going to be a really long segment. So if you want to skip the Calgary Flames stuff, I would recommend just going to about the 15-minute mark of this episode, because around then is when I'll switch and talk about the other stuff, the other hockey, basketball, soccer stuff, but if you want to listen to my Flames analysis on what went horribly wrong with this team, then just settle in a little bit here for the next little while. But here we go. Calgary Flames collapse. I'll start with what happened. So last week on my show, Game 4 had been played, but Game 5 and 6 had not. And so Game 5 came and went and Calgary lost by a goal which you know of course game five was upsetting I think just because Calgary got outplayed for most of it and they were pretty lucky to even be tied in that game for long stretches Michael Backlund scored at the end of the first period but it was really against the run of play the Flames were definitely outplayed and Dallas were worthy winners in game five and then game six happened and yeah, game six. Damn, I really did. <laughs> I really was not not in a great mood after game six. As for anyone who knows the final score, you know exactly why. Dallas won seven to three. But it wasn't just the final score, it was the way it happened, as it typically goes. So we'll start with the first period and the positives. The Flames played really well in the first period. Like I'm talking maybe their best period of the entire playoffs so far because they looked totally engaged. They were scoring goals. They were carrying the play, dominating the play. The Stars basically didn't get a shot on goal for the first, like, several minutes of the game. It was very impressive to see what Calgary did in that first period. And as a result, they rightfully had a 3-0 lead. And then a certain someone on the team, who I'll get into in a minute... Gave up a terrible penalty, and Dallas, of course, Mito Heiskanen scored on the power play. Heiskanen, by the way, I'll talk about Dallas a little bit here in a minute, but, I mean, if there was a player on the ice better than Mito Heiskanen, I don't know who it was. He was ridiculously good in this series, 
And it's upsetting to me because, you know, I cheer for all the Finnish players in the NHL. And it was upsetting getting having to cheer against Heiskanen because he was so good. But it's just, he was, you know, I'll cheer for my team first. Although he's going to be very exciting to watch, I think, when the national team does eventually get to play, hopefully in the 2022 Beijing Olympics. Anyway, that's a side note. The, game, the score was 3-1 to one after the first period of play. Calgary looked good. They were in control, in the lead. Looks like it was going to be a Game 7 on the way. And they gave up the second goal. Not great, but it took a weird deflection. It happens, you know. And then Cam Talbot let in a terrible softie, which unfortunately is not the first time he's let in a terrible softie in this series. It took a deflection... But it was so slow moving that really any professional goalie should have made that save. It was a terrible goal to give up at a terrible time. And so Jeff Ward, the Flames coach, decided to pull Cam Talbot and put in David Riddick, who hadn't played a game since March. Which, you know, I get what Jeff Ward was trying to do. But at the same time, Riddick quite clearly was nowhere ready to play. He was... He looked very shaky and just, you know, when you throw a goalie into that situation, it's really hard because you're basically expecting them to be the hero. But that's a, such an unfair expectation to expect that he's going to be the hero when, you know, the game is 3-3 three to three and the momentum's going completely the other direction. So, anyway, we're a 3-3 hockey game and now the Flames' backup goalie is in the net. And... The next play makes me so mad. I just, I wanted to punch my wall. No joke. I wanted to punch a hole in the wall because I was so pissed off. But Mark Giordano, I'm going to start with this because I know everyone is throwing the blame on Lucic on that play. And truthfully, he deserves most but not all because Mark Giordano did a terrible, terrible job marking in front of his own net and gave up a chance to the Dallas Stars. Lucic then eventually got the puck and shot it over the glass. So obviously Lucic, you know, I mean, that was awful. Like, what are you doing? In a game like this, in a moment like that, that's like the worst thing you could have done. But the reason that happened was because Mark Giordano did a terrible job in front of his own net. Plain and simple. So, yeah, Dallas went and scored, coincidentally, on that power play right away. And so the game is 4-3. to three. And it really felt like Calgary had to score the next one. And they didn't, because Dallas got a goal off the skate of Rasmus Anderson that went in the net. And then David Riddick. It was David Riddick's turn now to give up a softie. And so the game was 6-3. to three. And then Cam Talbot went back in net for the third period. And Dallas got one more, and it was 7-3. to three. The only thing I will say about the rest of that game is that the Flames, to their credit, didn't give up. There was still a lot of chance creation. There was a lot of urgency coming, especially from the top players, which I love to see. But it was just, it was too late. By that point, it's just like, yeah, it's great that you didn't give up, but we lost and we got killed. So that was extremely upsetting. And as a result, the Flames are now out of the Stanley Cup playoffs for the second year in a row in the first round. And... There's a lot of question marks coming out of this series, and I'll talk a little bit about the future. Quickly, I want to mention the Dallas Stars, I think, played really well. Jamie Benn 
and Tyler Sagan really took over this series, I think, later on as they started just becoming a much, much bigger threat with the puck on the ice, especially five on five and the way they were carrying the play. And of course, John Klinberg was great in this series, but Mito Heiskanen was the best player on the ice. He was skating extremely well. He was passing extremely well. He was shooting extremely well. This guy has been everything and then some for the Dallas Stars in the playoffs so far. Because without him, I would fe- I would tremble in fear of what the Stars might look like. But he's been so rock solid for them in defense. And you need a player like that in your defense who can step up when others might not be stepping up as much as he is. But nonetheless, credit to the Stars. Played really well, and they deserve the second round appearance. They're playing Colorado right now. And at the time of recording, they have a one nothing series lead against the Avalanche. Um, I don't think that'll stay. Colorado's still my pick to win the Stanley Cup, but we'll see how that series goes. Should be interesting. And now back to the Flames. And Milan Lucic. Milan Lucic. For anyone who's listened to my show, you know that I hated that trade. The Lucic for Neil trade was terrible. Hated it. And never liked that trade. And I know Lucic has a lot of defenders because of the, quote, intangibles he brings. And what I have to say to those people is that they're honestly talking (laughs) completely out of their butt. They really are. It is... Lucic doesn't bring anything positive to this team. Because truthfully, if he really brought those intangibles, those leadership... That aggressiveness, you know, that toughness. Well, I have a few questions. The first one being, in the Battle of Alberta earlier this year when Calgary played Edmonton and there was like 60 fights in the game, why did Lucic not fight a single player on the Oilers? Hmm, doesn't sound like a tough guy to me. Or how about when Matthew Kachuk got injured in game number one and then there was no response from Lucic going after the guys who, you know, were involved. And I mean, I'm not saying Lucic has to, like, you know, go aggressively and, like, fight the guys, like, ten times. I'm not saying that. But in the Winnipeg series, Blake Wheeler went after Kachuk, even though it was incidental, and he fought him because of the Shifley thing. And so, you know, if Lucic is this tough guy who's going to bring this, you know, aggressiveness to the team, you'd think that that would be something he did. But, you know... And that, you know, that leadership, that experience was on full display as the Flames completely collapsed in Game 6. So that was great, you know, fantastic seeing that leadership on display in Game number 6 from Milan Lucic. And his overall ability to somehow take the stupidest penalty in the history of the planet watching this team is amazing to me because with a 3-0 lead, Lucic decides, I'm just going to shove a guy into the other team's goalie and take a penalty. Like, what? What are you doing? No. That is so beyond stupid and just hurts the team so much. Honestly, Lucic, there was moments in this playoff run where I felt like he was a complete waste of space for a hockey player. Complete waste of space for a hockey player. I don't want him on the team because whatever quote-unquote intangibles this guy brought clearly was not anything 
worth displaying in this team. Like, clearly the team did not exude whatever he was supposed to bring, and his play was just stupid penalty after stupid penalty after, like, just constantly hurting the team. I know Lucic has an untradeable contract and an unbuy, uh, a contract you can't buy out of, but I would love to see him just play his time in the minors because I don't want him on the roster anymore. I'm sick and tired of him just not helping the team. That's my opinion. And I know I'll get put, I know that there will be people, there will be people who will disagree with me and I will gladly stand up for my opinion on Lucic, but anyway. Kachuk obviously getting hurt didn't help in this series. I do want to give a couple shout-outs to players who played well, though. Toby Reeder, I think, played really well in this series. I kind of hope Calgary resigns him. Andrew Mangiapane, I think, played really well in the playoffs overall. Loved his game. Rasmus Anderson, love that contract we have him for. He's going to be a core, integral part of the blue line for years to come. Dylan Dubé, of course. I mean, can't not praise Dylan Dubé. And finally, playoff Sam Bennett. And that is definitely a real thing because playoff Sam Bennett, for some reason, is just way, way too good for what he is in the regular season. I hope they can find a way to just overall make him be better in that regular season because Sam Bennett really is a guy who I think has a lot going for him as far as his his overall contributions to the team but anyway like I said this team now has a lot more questions than answers and as far as what you do for next season because that's obviously the big question right what do you do next year well to me in my opinion I think the Flames have one of two options right now and the decision will have to be made of course by management and by Bradshaw Living option one is to mostly run it back and I know that might sound a little bit crazy where it's like, why are you giving another chance to a team that hasn't really accomplished anything? And there's a fair point to that. But what I would argue is that instead of making no changes, you make some changes. But at the same time, based on the contract situation the Calgary Flames are in right now, I think you can run it back for one more season, give the core one more chance. And if they fail, they fail. That's it. It's over and you blow it up at that point. The other option would be to blow it up right now. And I think there's some merit to both options, but personally, if you look at Johnny Gaudreau, and, and I'm using him and Sean Monaghan as an example here. So if you run it back, Gaudreau has a year left on his deal after next season. Monaghan has two years left. To me, that's the perfect time to get rid of them if you wanna give them one more chance to win a cup. And, yeah, whether or not they can do it, I mean, I'm starting to lose a lot of faith in this core. But if True Living decides to run it back, I would be okay with that. If he decides to blow it up right now, I would be okay with that too. So, we'll be interesting to see what happens this offseason for the Calgary Flames. But, it's obviously a disappointment. And... Honestly, if they do decide to run it back, anything less than a conference final appearance is a failure. And this year, despite the win against Winnipeg, is still sadly overall a disappointment and a failure of a season because they were supposed to take the next step 
and they haven't been able to do that yet. Anyway, that's it for the Calgary Flames stuff. I know that's a lot kind of packaged there. That's kind of why I wanted the extra time for the Flames stuff. As far as the other NHL stuff, I'll go through this a little bit quicker. Credit to Vancouver. They're the last Canadian team standing. They defeated the defending champion St. Louis Blues in six games. I have to give so much credit to the Canucks' uh, resilience in this series because they went up 2 to nothing. And St. Louis then came back, tied this series 2-2. Two two. It really felt like, oh, here we go. The defending champs are coming. You know, Vancouver's going to lose and all this stuff. But they didn't get phased at all. And I think that's a testament to the Canucks leadership in so many ways as far as they were able to not get phased by this series. And ultimately, in the end... They got it done, and they're now playing Vegas, who they got killed by in game number one. I don't think Vancouver will beat Vegas in the second round, but the fact that they've gotten there is a huge step forward for their team. Great experience and something they can build off of for next season, even if they're not able to win this second round series. Colorado beat Arizona really easily. They eventually got past Darcy Kemper and started blowing out the Coyotes, so that series was really easy. Vegas, like I said, they're in the second round. They beat Chicago in five games. I got these two series is actually 100% correct as far as predictions go. The other two series in the West, not so much. And in the East, I got a lot of them wrong because Tampa Bay was able to edge out Columbus. So they finally, it's not quite slaying the dragon because Tampa Bay didn't play the same Columbus team, but it was still good for the Lightning. And so they get Boston. And big series, both teams, it almost feels like they really need to beat each other, Tampa Bay and Boston. The Bruins, I'll give a ton of credit to, despite Rask leaving the bubble. With Yara Halak, they remained calm and played their game, and they edged out Carolina. So huge, huge credit to Boston. Carolina, I'm a little disappointed with. I felt like they could have been better in this series. Although, like I said a week ago, the Islanders are the team that made me look really stupid considering their win. They play game one tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers. So that should be an interesting series to me. Philadelphia didn't look that impressive against Montreal because they really didn't get a lot out of their best players other than Carter Hart, who was fantastic in net. But should be interesting. The Islanders are an extremely good defensive team. They're extremely well coached. And honestly, I could see the Islanders potentially pulling off an upset against the Philadelphia Flyers. Tampa and Boston, I think, is kind of pretty equally matched. I would probably lean slightly towards Boston because of Tampa Bay's playoff failures, but still close one either way. And yeah, Islanders-Philly, very interesting. And then, of course, Colorado and Dallas are playing in the other series in the second round. I still think Colorado's my favorite to win the whole thing. I think I love the Avalanche, and I think their team is the best team remaining in the Stanley Cup playoffs. All right, UEFA Champions League time. So this game was on Sunday, was a fantastic final as far as chance creation. Not as far as goals, though. There was just the one goal in the game, and it went to Bayern Munich's Kingsley Coman who scored and it was quite poetic that Coman scored the goal just because he was actually a former 
PSG player. He grew up in their academy system and stuff like that. And so to score against his old team has to feel pretty good. He scored on a beautiful header after Kimmich put in a fantastic cross into the box and he headed it in. This game had a lot of talking points to me because, in my opinion, there was a penalty that should have been called on both sides of the field. Bayern Munich should have gotten a penalty at the end of the first half. And that one was, in my opinion, incorrectly not given. And in the second half, PSG, in my opinion, should have gotten a penalty because Kylian Mbappe quite clearly got his leg kicked and there was really no attempt at the ball. So anyway, I guess as far as the world of fairness goes, even though two wrongs don't make a right, you know, in a way it kind of balanced itself out because each team, in my opinion, should have had a penalty shot, which they didn't get. But PSG, I mean, they can't sit there and complain about a penalty as to why they lost. They lost because they didn't score their chances. Herrera had a really good opportunity that he decided to pass up instead. Mbappe had a good shot that should have gone in and shot it at the goalie, shot it at Neuer. Neymar had a really good opportunity in the first half, failed to score. Di Maria, I think, had a really good opportunity, couldn't score. Chubo Moting had one at the very end of the game, couldn't score. And that was, I think, the difference for PSG. They just couldn't find a way to beat Manuel Neuer in this game. And Bayern Munich were able to find that one little moment of magic to get the game-winning goal. Robert Lewandowski also played extremely well in this game. And Alfonso Davies is a UEFA Champions League winner. He's the first men's player to win the Champions League being a Canadian. And yeah, <laughs> that's just, I, I never thought I would say that sentence. That a Canadian men's national team player is a UEFA Champions League winner. Crazy sentence. That was unthinkable years ago and growing up my whole life. But Davies, I think, is a testament to hard work, determination, and just a ridiculous amount of talent. And so I'm so excited to see what he does going forward. Davies winning the Champions League. This is the biggest game that he's played in his entire life and probably will play for most of his career until the 2026 World Cup, where obviously Canada is hosting with the United States and Mexico. And so that will probably be the other big moment for Davies as far as his career and his legacy will be the 2026 World Cup in Canada. So that'll be very exciting to watch. And I know there's a World Cup coming before that, but outside of my many, many moral oblig or my ma many, many moral problems with the 2022 World Cup, specifically in the fact that Qatar used slaves that have a lot of people have died trying to build those stadiums and the human rights around the World Cup has been nothing short of horrendous and FIFA are completely complicit to it. And, you know, outside of all that terrible stuff, Canada, I'm not sure how likely it would be that they would make it just because I love Davies and Jonathan David obviously just signed that record transfer to go to Lille and those guys are really good. But Canada doesn't have a lot outside of those guys. And for some reason, John Herdman, the coach of the Canadian national team, insists on playing the best player in Canadian national team history on defense. Which is just strange to me. Can't ever really explain why he chooses to do that. But nonetheless, 
that's pretty much it. And finally, the NBA playoffs. So the NBA playoffs are still in round one right now, although there's one series already determined 100%. It's good to go for the second round, and that is the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors. Boston swept Philadelphia 4-0, and Toronto swept Brooklyn 4-0. I did pick both Toronto and Boston to win their series. I didn't think Boston would win as easily as they did. Toronto was just, I mean, Brooklyn came into the bubble without their four best players, and the Raptors were quite clearly the best team. And yeah, it was just, it wasn't close. Toronto was just so far and away better. Brooklyn, I think, will be good next year, but it's not next year yet. It's this year. And so the Raptors are now playing the Celtics in the second round. This should be a fantastic series. I'm very excited to watch Toronto and Boston. Both teams, though, could be missing a very key player, potentially. Kyle Lowry left game four for the Raptors with a ankle injury that we'll see how long he's out for. I hope he's able to come back because Lowry would be, at least I think, the primary defender of Kemba Walker of the Celtics. So that's a big potential mismatch Boston could certainly take advantage of. I love Fred Van Vliet. It's just he's... A little bit smaller. Kyle Lowry, I think, is definitely the better defensive player of the two who would guard Kemba anyway. For Boston, they lost Gordon Hayward, who's now out for the rest of the playoffs. OG Ananobi, I would imagine, is going to get Jason Tatum on defense. And that's going to be a big, big individual matchup to watch because Ananobi is going to have to contain Tatum, who pretty much did whatever he wanted against the Philadelphia 76ers. So should be... A fantastic match. I'm still sticking with my original pick, Raptors in seven over the Celtics, but we'll have to wait and see. As far as the other series is, I'll very quickly go through Milwaukee lost game one, which was really shocking, and since then have kind of rebounded and showed everybody that, hey, we're actually a good team that just fell asleep. And Orlando, credit to them, they were really good in game one, but quite clearly outmatched against the Bucks. Miami has fairly easily gone out to a 3-0 lead over the Indiana Pacers. I thought this series would be a lot closer. I did pick Miami to win, but credit to the Heat for taking care of business. They should play Milwaukee in the next round in the other side of the Eastern Conference. In the Western Conference, Houston leads 2-1 over Oklahoma City. At the time of, reco- at the time of recording, this series game, f- game four, excuse me, is going on right now so very important game for okay so you kind of need the win Houston still playing really well in spite of the fact that James Harden hasn't shot well and Russell Westbrook hasn't been there which means Mike D'Antoni's gamble on math has worked so far which is good for the Rockets for the Thunder they're gonna have to need they're gonna need to fight back to get in the get back into this series the LA Lakers have a 2-1 lead over the Blazers after losing game one they were able to rebound and win the next two games. Game four goes tonight, and so very pivotal. The Blazers kind of need it. I was a little upset watching game number three, to be honest, in this series, just because, to me, I think Damian Lillard let C.J. McCollum take too many shots. I think Lillard should have been more aggressive in trying to just essentially dictate what happened in the basketball game. Denver and Utah, oh man, Donovan, so Donovan Mitchell, this guy is, there might, I don't think there's a more underrated player in the league than Donovan Mitchell, he has dropped 50 points twice in this series, and Utah leads 3-1 to as a result, 
It was always going to be tough for Utah considering Mike Conley was missing the first part of this series and Denver's a really deep team, really good team. But Donovan Mitchell has decided in this series that I'm going to carry my team and he's done a damn good job of that. And so Utah lead 3-1 to one, and they could potentially pull off the upset and advance to the second round. And then finally, the most intriguing series of the entire playoffs so far, the Clippers and the Mavericks. So... Clippers and Mavs are tied 2-2 two two because of one player who I have done nothing but rave about for the last couple of years, Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic is... What's a really good way to describe him? Oh wait, I think it's already been said. The best 21-year-old in NBA history. There has never been a player as good as he is at the age he is. There's never been one. Michael Jordan wasn't this good, LeBron James wasn't this good, Kobe Bryant wasn't this good, Magic Johnson wasn't this good at 21. They weren't. Luka is something else. He really is insanely good, and he's 21. I tremble to fear what he might be at 26. Luka Doncic, ridiculously good. And the LA Clippers, if Paul George doesn't get out of this funk he's in and funk is a very friendly term i'm using about paul george because these are his stats over the last three games in this series he's averaging 11 points a game 21 percent from the field 16 percent from three and the clippers have lost two of those three games as a result so if playoff p doesn't actually show up it's gonna be a very, very difficult road ahead for Kawhi Leonard and the LA Clippers. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got for my show today. I want to thank everybody for listening in. I know this one's a little bit longer than some of my other shows. But, of course, had to get the Calgary Flames stuff off my chest a little bit. Next week, of course, more hockey, more basketball. And I'll have a little bit of soccer, too. I'll start talking focusing more on the Canadian Premier League. Cavalry FC, by the way, first place right now in the standings at the Island Games. Once again, though, I would like to say to everybody out there to be happy, be healthy, and stay safe.